Stunt Calf are proud to present the commentators with this week's edition of Film on the Radio. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's brilliant to be joining you again uh, with Film on the Radio. Uh, we are the commentators. I am James, and I am joined as ever by my good friend Craig. Yes, good evening, everyone. It's uh, lovely to be back with you. We really enjoyed our previous film on the radio evenings, and we hope you did too. And we've got a new film for you tonight. Yes, a little uh, caution, uh, Craig. It's the uh, 31st of October today. It is. It is uh, Halloween uh, this evening, so we hope that we're not going to get disturbed by any trick-or-treaters. I've... uh, blown out the candle in my pumpkin so hopefully that will mean that uh, people will know not to knock on the door so no trick or teachers and uh, no ghosts either i hope tonight great so uh, let's uh, let's roll the uh, projector and see what we've got okay if everyone is sitting comfortably and we will begin Here we go. The uh, film studio gets its logo up first, of course. Nice blue sky behind the logo. Oh, and there's a nice blue sky here as well. And we're flying in over a lake. There's a little island of trees. Oh, and the plane just misses the trees there. Hold on, Craig. Hold on, hold on. Is this that, um, you know, the sort of Dolby stereo? No, no. Ah, no. Sometimes they do that thing where they... They show off the Dolby stereo, but um, no, we're now uh, an overhead shot. Yes, and I think that was actually part of the film. So yes, yeah, so now we're we're still um, still in an aeroplane. I think we could be a drone, and we are flying above a beautiful forest. There now we're out on a a country road in a mountainous landscape. There's a little bit of snow on the tops of the mountains there, so it's probably probably. Late autumn, winter, possibly. Is it Scotland? Could be Scotland. Cairngorms. So, I mean, it could be CGI, pretty much, couldn't it? I mean, it's so that is so beautiful. It is very beautiful. Just one car on that road climbs up a winding road around the side of a mountain as some some credits just uh, go past us. Uh, right, moving on the uh, right hand side of the road suggests we're uh, not in England. Actually, that. Uh, yeah, it couldn't be in England, could it? That landscape. I don't think it is Scotland either, is it? Because uh, generally people do drive on the left-hand side of the road in Scotland, unless they've had a bit of a, a rough night. Yeah, I've been uh, to the Lake District. It's uh, it's more spectacular than that. Yes, not to uh, say that the Lake District isn't uh, spectacular, for those of you who might be listening in Windermere or Grasmere, a very beautiful part of the world as well, but possibly not quite as spectacular as this. Uh, quite a lot of this uh, driving along. It's uh, The credits are going up, of course. We've been told all the people who've made the film. Yes, a few actors' names have gone past there. Now we're into the sort of the production uh, team. As the, It's a little yellow car going along that road through the tall pine trees. Oh, and it must have gone up in altitude now because the landscape has got uh, more snowy. Is it, was that a um, Volkswagen Beetle? 
Uh, I couldn't quite uh, make out the model of that car, but we're still in an aeroplane, I think. Well, the camera is in an aeroplane. And now we're above, looks like a hotel. And a uh, gentleman walks into the lobby of the hotel. He goes up to the desk. A confident, swaggery walk there. He asks the... uh, lady at the desk uh, I think he was asking if she could tell him where to find someone she's pointed down through the lobby he's gone through some wooden doors to a little back office I think taps on the door the yeah, door's open already so you can see in a gentleman behind a desk uh, both the new arrival and the gentleman in the office are wearing uh, ties and suits. A little bit of greenery in the office, some ivies up there on a a shelf, a built-in shelf in the office there. There's some wooden plaques on the wall as well, possibly for some sporting achievements that the man behind the desk has been awarded. And we're back outside the hotel, backdrop of mountains. Now there's a... Some mother and son, I think, at a... Is that breakfast? I think that's breakfast. It's a very thick uh, wedge of uh, bread that the uh, little boy's tucking into. She's got something on fire. Oh, no, she's been having a cigarette. But, uh, not really thinking about the health of her son there by having a cigarette at mealtime. He bites into that sandwich, wiggles his uh, finger. Talking with his mouth full. Now we're back in the office uh, with the gentleman who arrived and the gentleman whose office it is and uh, someone else has joined him in the office. It looks like an interview situation. There's a little uh, Stars and Stripes uh, flag on the table, desktop size, maybe a little memento when he represented the United States at the United Nations, perhaps, some delegation, perhaps. Oh, he's got one of those um, pens that are kind of held in a block of marble or fake marble a little stand that's there that's quite a classy touch there it's a good for a quick draw isn't it if you need to do a quick signature you don't have to fiddle around in a drawer and i think whip it out of its holster you don't have to worry about taking the the lid off the pen. no because the lid is kind of set into the um the block of marble isn't it so the and then the pen just sits in that lid then and as you say ready to whip wow. it out signature straight there because i think he is the boss He's got a very wide tie and very wide lapels, the man behind the desk. The man who we think is being interviewed, he is in more sort of tweedy outfit. He's got like a knitted green tie. Is this 70s, 80s setting, do you think? I'd say 70s. Yeah, I think maybe late 70s. Is that peach? I think the colour of the walls is peach, possibly. That's a 
rather more morose looking guy seems to have joined the interview team. So then whether he's whether he's being interviewed as well or he's on the same side of the desk as the man being interviewed. The main focus of attention is on the newcomer guy. So certainly he seems to be in favourite position to get the job. I'm not sure what the job is, as I say. He doesn't look that excited about the job. He's frowning slightly, looking a little bit glum. The uh, man behind the desk gives him a wink. He looks a little bit glum as well. So perhaps this job isn't quite as exciting as the applicants initially thought. But there's a smile, a little smile there. Oh, and it's a big smile now from the man behind the desk, so someone's cracked a little joke there. He's got his, the uh, man doing the interview, has got his fingers interwoven with each other. And uh, just gestured with his two thumbs. Now he's gesturing with his whole hand. Interviewee does a bit of nodding. Now shaking her head and a bit of a smile. Eyebrows are arched. Very expressive eyebrows he's got there. He's trying to communicate um, that he's easygoing and reliable at the same time. And we've cross-faded now. We're back with the... Uh, Little boy, he stood on a stool in a bathroom. Edging towards him very, very slowly. There's his mum. She's doing the washing up at the sink. There's a lot of cleaning products in that kitchen. She puts carton of milk back into the fridge. Oh, she picks up the phone, so the phone's ringing. Uh, oh, and the interviewee is now... Back at the reception desk, he's phoning. So I think we can make an educated guess that he is the husband of her and the father of the little boy. Would you say, James? I think that's right. I think he's relaying information about how the interview's gone and the little boy is wiggling his finger again in front of the mirror, talking to himself and, yes, wiggling his left finger. I think my hair was very much like that in 1976, which might give us some date to the film. Oh, now we're looking at uh, some lifts, like the doors to the lifts in the hotel, and an enormous load of blood is flowing from the side of the... The lifts, the blood is absolutely gushing down and has filled up the whole of the carpet. We've got a tiny shot of two little twin girls and a little shot of the boy screaming and then the blood enveloped the camera. And now we're back over the pine forests on the hills. What did you make of that, Craig? Well, it's certainly changed my opinion of what this film might have been. I thought it maybe it's going to be a sort of travel film or a holiday film um, about a family getting to know each other 
in a hotel on a holiday, but that has certainly changed my opinion on that. What, what did you make of that, James? I wondered if a different film had very briefly encroached on our film. Yes, possibly didn't didn't quite look as though it was part of this film, did it? But we have still got the same. We're back with the characters again. So now they're in a car. The uh, uh, the interviewee, uh, his wife, and his son. His son's leaning over from the back seat, and so this is in the days before seat belts were obligatory in the rear of cars for children. When smoking cigarettes at the breakfast table with your uh, with your little kid was also uh, deemed socially acceptable. And when letting your kid walk out with a haircut like that was also socially acceptable. But they all seem to be uh, reasonably happy in the car, whizzing along. I think we're, going, we're driving through that landscape again, aren't we, that we were uh, flying through at the beginning of the film. And there's the car again. Now it's got the whole family in. And we're back at the hotel. Still some snow on the mountains. There's a lot of activity in the foyer now. Yeah, it's not um, guests, though, is it? It's, do you think they've bought the hotel, Craig? Ah, they might have bought it, yes. It looks like they're packing up. The hotel's being packed up. There's the uh, two gentlemen who were in the interview before. They're in a much more relaxed attire now. So the gentleman who was in the very wide, lapelled jacket is now, uh, he's, in, uh, he's in his relaxed leisure wear now. He's got a leather jacket on, red slacks, no tie. And uh, they just now come out. I think that's the lift that the blood came pouring out of before, is it? Doesn't seem to be any evidence of that anymore. So perhaps they've had a big clean up. It's a very imposing large hotel. Oh, now the boy's playing darts. He's uh, got interesting action. He gives it a, a little wiggle. Uh, before he releases the darts, and that's a pretty poor score. I don't think he's hit any of the numbers there. Oh, the camera zooms into his face. Oh, it's There's the twin two. girls. Yeah, it's the twin girls again from the lift. They're wearing aquamarine dresses, possibly very sort of pale, bright, turquoisey blue. Long, long socks on and sandals. I think this is the bar area, possibly, of the hotel with a dartboard. Some uh, tables and chairs. He didn't seem too phased by seeing them. Now, don't know if you spotted it, Craig, but I spotted the uh, Colorado flag hanging on the wall in the games room. So I think this might be set in Colorado. Good spot there. The uh, interviewer, who's now in his leather jacket, is uh, showing the uh, husband and wife into some rooms that might be, that's going to be their apartments. I, we don't, still don't quite know what, what the situation is here, do we? 
No, the uh, the guy in the red slacks has got a bit of a Gary Glitter haircut, I reckon. A modest version of it, but uh, well, well, now they're being shown a uh, just a vehicle with a tractor tracks rather than wheels in the garage, and now the mother and son are being shown round the hotel's kitchen by a uh, very dapper. A black gentleman with a bald head and a very nice blazer there, one silver button to it. He's introducing them to the kitchen, slightly over-specified for their requirements. If they have bought the place, it's um, yeah, they're expecting a larger family than just the son. He's uh, very smiley and he's showing them into the uh, refrigerated cupboard which is full of meat I'm imagining wrapped up in hessian possibly there's a lot of uh, a lot of investment in there Craig it's a lot of uh, a lot of capital frozen in, uh, in uh, meat stock control seems to be all over the place a bit I suggest Yes, I suppose if it's a freezer, then it will. Uh, I suppose it was a freezer rather than a than a than a fridge, so uh, you would expect that to uh, have a longer shelf life than just in a fridge. And uh, he continues to uh, show them around the kitchen, have a chat. He uh, bends down to uh, talk to the boy. Big smile on his face. Opens up another door into uh, another stock cupboard piled high with catering-sized jars and tins and boxes. What have we got in there? Everything you could possibly want, Craig. Tomato ketchup. Very large quantities. Frosties, cornflakes. Texan. The boy's having one of his moments now. He's... His gaze is zooming in on the guy who's now talking directly to him. The boy's nostrils flare slightly. And they're out of the store cupboard and the husband arrives back with the man in the leather jacket who was the boss so they're all gathered now and the guy who's doing the kitchen tour chats again to the little boy grabs him by the hand got a very stylish baseball jacket the uh, the boy says flyers on the back yes I'm not sure what uh, franchise the flyers is a little local team so they split up now the little boys uh with the uh black bald-headed tour guide guy while his mum and dad are with the hotel manager and his assistant mate guy a little bit of uh packing up still being done we're now we're back with the uh kitchen tour guide and the little boy he's got a 
bowl of something there, some ice cream maybe that uh, he's been given. He's looking a bit glum. The uh, guy's trying to cheer him up a little bit. Looks like he's telling him a story, possibly about when he was his age and he had a haircut like that. Doesn't seem to be cutting through to the boy yet. No, pretty stony-faced expression. I don't think he's blinked, the little boy. He's a tough audience. The guy seems undeterred, though. Is he going to blink? Is well, he going to blink? Nope, still hasn't blinked. Oh, a blink, there we go. A blink, and he's talking now. The uh, guy is taking him very seriously. Yes, this is a very serious conversation. Apologies, listeners, we can't quite uh, work out what is going on here. There's a nod of the head there between the two of them. Some uh, They've come to some agreement. Possibly it's about whether or not he's going to get another helping of ice cream. Nope, I think you've had enough ice cream. You'll be sick, but just a little bit more? No, you'll be sick and your parents will be really upset with me. I wonder what role this gentleman plays in the hotel. Maitre d'. Yeah, kitchen could be his domain, couldn't it? Could be a kitchen manager, perhaps. I think I'd be uh, I'd be quite a good maitre d'. I think to welcoming guests and uh, clicking my fingers for a porter to come and uh, take their bags up to their room. I think you would, Craig. Yes, I think. Uh... You could command a room. Would you like a uh, would you like a cocktail, sir, madam, before uh, before dinner? I'll get uh, I'll get Brian, our barman, to uh, bring you over the uh, wine list. Would you like to have a look at the menu uh, before we move into the dining room? See what you're doing there, Craig. Upselling. It's good good work there. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think I would be good at that. Anyway, sorry, this is the uh, conversation between the uh, possible maitre d' and the little boy still going on without much clue as to what they're actually talking about. I hope there aren't major plot points being discussed here, because if so, we are missing out on them. You say the uh, silent film, we should maybe look to get some of those in in future, Craig. Yes. This, this is a very long scene, a very long dialogue scene, which is very difficult to interpret. It's unusual, isn't it? It's unusual that you see a child and an adult talking this extensively when they're not related to each other. Except yes. police drama, you might. There's a kind of interview situation around a crime. 
And that's finished now. Right, evidently some time has passed and we are outside the hotel. Oh, and the boy is, uh, he's on a little, sort of tricycle, isn't it? It's like a sit-down sit tricycle. Yes, a little uh, three-wheeled buggy, perhaps, quite low to the ground. Plastic wheels, I think. He's enjoying all the space that this hotel has got. Goes over a carpet, onto the wooden floor, onto the carpet, onto the wooden floor, round the bends, and he is in the kitchen that we saw earlier. Those uh, smooth floors are a real boon for the tricycle rider. Yeah, lots of long corridors to uh, pick up some speed. There's the mother. She's in a dressing gown. She's got a little trolley, little hostess trolley. And she, I think, is going to the bedroom. There's the husband. He's still asleep in bed. She brings in a big tray of breakfast for him. Fantastic room service. Uh, oh, you've got a little um, silver kind of cloche cover over whatever it is she's brought from. That's a fresh coffee in a similar uh, silver coffee. Then he sticks his tongue out to uh, check the colour of it in the mirror. He looks very happy to have been uh, brought breakfast in bed. Yeah, the orange juice. Knocks that back. Well, I think we're watching all this in the mirror. So uh, yes, he's got some wording on his T-shirt that is back to front, isn't it? Stov... Stovinochka. Dunking a toasty finger in a fried egg. Anyway, we shall never know because we've moved on. There is now a typewriter, a packet of cigarettes and some pencils on a table in the very large foyer and he, uh, the man is throwing a ball, bouncing off the wall, catching it. Now we're back outside and the mum is uh, chasing the little boy. I think she could catch him if she really wanted, but she's not. She's just letting him stay just ahead of her and they are turning left into, oh, a, a maze, a labyrinth. That's a mighty impressive labyrinth, Craig. Very tall hedges. Looks very complicated as well. Doesn't seem to be anyone else around now in the hotel. There Just walking around the various corners, dead ends of the maze. So, oh, no, that was a dead end. They've had to turn back. It's a very impressively sized maze. Yes, I hope they haven't left it too late in the day. Well, there is a there was a triangle there. I wonder whether that's to uh, be rattled if you uh, do get lost back inside the hotel now. The uh, husband is still throwing that ball around. Not sure that the... Uh Hotel, if the hotel owners are still the owners and this lot haven't bought the hotel, I'm not sure they'd be very impressed with him chucking that ball around. No, because that could 
Mark the Wall. You know, look, yeah, sorry, Craig. So no, it's just saying he's looking at a model now of the maze from above. And there's a nice bit of trickery now. So we can see the uh, mother and son. They're in the centre of the maze now. We're looking at them from above. They're right, right in the centre. They've done well to find their way in there. This was your maze, Craig. How long do you think it would take you to sort of know it by heart, inside out, so you wouldn't ever get lost in it? Yeah, good question. It's pretty, it is pretty hefty, that one. I don't know how many trips. What's the thing, isn't it? Because there's gonna be, probably going to be several routes through it. So you're going to want to find the shortest route, aren't you? Um, shortest route in and shortest route out again. Once you've got that. Then you're sorted. But anyway, we're back inside the hotel. Boy's back on his little tricycle on the wooden floor onto the carpet of a corridor. We're right behind him, almost like we're on a scooter chasing him. If it were a race, he'd just be a, a second or two ahead of us. Very vivid carpet, orange and red geometric shapes. He stops. He looks back at uh, room number 237 that's made him a little bit anxious I think you just see his shoulders uh, rising and falling quite quickly there as if he was heartbeat was racing he steps off his little trike and goes towards the door This often happens in films, Craig. People are sort of anxious about a thing and rather than go away from it, they often approach it. He's now trying to get into the door. He's turning the right-hand handle of the door, pushing, and that's not working. Oh, it's the, it's the scary girls again, very, very briefly. He's given up on getting into that room, which is probably a good idea. And he's off again. Fast, really fast. He's got his head down there. We don't follow him this time. I think it's evening time now. All the lights are on in the foyer of the hotel. And there's the father. And he's at the typewriter. So possibly he is writing a letter home to his parents, writing a diary maybe. It's quite intent on that. Now his wife's approaching all the way across this magnificent room. It's almost like a medieval banqueting hall, isn't it? With uh, chandeliers of candles, a big fireplace. She gives him a peck on the cheek. A big smile. He looks back at her. I think they are the only ones in the hotel now. These three, possibly with the scary twin girls. No sign of their parents. 
So possibly the girls live in room 237, maybe. Ooh. Seems to be some discussion here about uh, the typewriter. He just, okay. ooh, he's, mm, just ripped up uh, a sheet of paper there. She's now looking scared. He's looking very cross. Those eyebrows that were uh, used to such good effect in the interview to make him look uh, easygoing now make him look slightly terrifying. Yeah, he seems far from easygoing at this point, I suggest. She's looking a bit cowed by that. I think he might have just invited her to leave him alone. Well, uh, that's very disappointing for her. She brought him breakfast in bed earlier on. He watches her go. He's back to the typing. Oh, we're outside again now, and a uh, big weather change. Lots of snow. Oh, and the snow's right banked up against the hotel. Yes, they seem to, they might have missed a trick with this hotel because it could work well in the winter as a ski resort, I would have thought. Anyway, the camera's now zooming in on to the husband who's looking a bit unshaven. He's just staring vacantly ahead. There's a big fire in the big open fireplace. Oh, now leap forward in time. The weather's really come in now, Craig. Yes, very foggy out there and a lot of snow, but it looks very comfortable inside the hotel. As James said, that big fire's roaring. The yeah, lights are on. And the mum is in that back office and she is plugging wires into it. It's an old-fashioned telephone switchboard, I think, James. Yes, I think you're right. She's got the phone receiver to her left ear was trying lots of different connections. There's a big rack of phone directories there. So that must have been where the uh, yeah, telephonist for the hotel used to work. She's smoking a cigarette. She's got very bright blue jeans on and a yellow coat. And uh, she's given up trying to make that phone call. She's got a scarf wrapped around her neck. She's gone into the manager's office. Oh, there's a tannoy microphone in there she turned that on perhaps she's going to try and speak to her husband over the hotel tannoy tannoy system but no actually it looks like it's connecting to police station possibly yes yes or rangers she's uh, sitting on the desk with her feet up on the boss's desk having a conversation with a uh, police or ranger on the other end. He seems uh, very smiley. She's got a cigarette. They can still see the snow coming down outside the window.
in the corner of the uh, ranger sheriff's room there's a big american flag behind her in the desk there's a map that looks like it's divided up into maybe the counties of the state that they're in colorado oh now we're back with the little boy on his tricycle we are following again but further back this time he's coming yes, to uh, area this is into the, uh, the sort of back room area of the hotel is near the uh, kitchen area now he's in uh more residential area with uh, wallpaper. Oh, he just turned the corner and there's those two girls again. He stops, stares. They stand still at the end of the corridor. So it's a face off. He's breathing very heavily. You can see his chest going up and down. He's very good at staring, this uh, young boy, staring without blinking. Oh, and there was... Did you? Yes, there it is again. Do you see that, Craig? Yes, seem to be bodies on the floor, blood all over the wall and carpet. Then it's gone. Now it's back again, and an axe. And uh, then the girls are back again. Now he's covered up his eyes. He uh, slowly takes his hands from his eyes, and the girls are gone. The blood is gone, and the axe is gone. So uh, must have been in his imagination, I think. Looked like those girls had been hit with that axe and that looked like their blood. Yes, I think I think it was. It was a little bit difficult to tell whether it was there because their blue dresses had turned red. He's talking to his finger now, I think. Yeah, little wiggly fingers back. Yes, we saw that earlier on. Listeners might remember. So I wonder if that's a glimpse into the future or the past. Yes, I suspect we'll find out. The door slowly opens and the boy pokes his head around and enters a room. Looks like the front room of an apartment because it's got a lock on it and a little chain as well. He's got a Mickey Mouse Jumper on there. I think it's Mickey kicking an American football, I think. Good observation, Craig, definitely. And he's got up into the up the stairs to their little apartment and he sees his dad there sitting on the side of the table. The dad slowly turns to his right. The dad's in his dressing gown, still unshaven. Since the uh the dad's initial Enthusiasm might have waned a little bit. He's letting himself go a bit, I suggest, Craig. Yes, he doesn't seem to be enjoying the holiday very much, does he? If this, if that is what it is, uh, sun comes up to him. He uh, lifts him up onto the bed and gives him a big hug. And that's a nice uh, tender moment there between father and son he uh, pulls at his son's hair and possibly saying really we should have got that cut before you came here because it's a bit embarrassing but anyway never mind I'm not I haven't had a shave either we're on holiday it doesn't really matter 
little conversation going on between the two. Dad rubs his son's arm. It's like as if he's giving comfort to his son and in turn maybe getting some comfort from his son. Hmm. Very philosophical, James. Well, I could be wrong. The uh, father's receding a little bit. Must be slightly envious of his son's copious hair. His own hair is quite long at the back. It's not necessarily one to criticise. Long at the back hair. Quite a few smiles now from the uh, dad. Less so from the son, though. Yes, possibly the son can't quite make out what his dad is talking about. Do you think this is the birds and the bees conversation that his dad's decided to have with him? Looks like a slightly awkward um, little conversation. Yeah, maybe the son's saying that he... Do you think it's the, is the son telling him about the sisters and the blood in the corridor? Difficult one to talk about, perhaps, with your dad. I don't know, would you, would you have told your father if you'd seen those things in Hotel Corridor Creek? Um, I think I probably would, because I think I probably wouldn't want to stay there anymore if I'd seen that. Um, so I think I would have said, not quite sure how my dad would have reacted. Possibly he would have been too busy to um, really take much notice anyway. Yeah, it's tricky to take him to the corridor if there's no blood on the carpet. I mean, blood is notoriously difficult to get out of carpets. Very difficult to get out of carpets. Um then you might have trouble convincing him. Anyway, oh, this is good. He's making, the little boy is making good use of this geometrically patterned carpet um, to play traffic jams with his toy vehicles. I think really you're better off probably chucking your carpet away if you've got blood on it. Certainly if you've got a lot of blood on it, like we've seen gushing down the corridors here. Sorry, this is a, the boy, yes, the boy, as James has described, is playing with some cars and then a tennis ball is just rolled into shop from further down the corridor there doesn't seem to be anyone there to have thrown that tennis ball down so the boy stands up he's got a big rocket on his you were going to mention the jumper weren't you i was gonna i was just gonna say he's got an excellent range of knitwear this uh boy we had a mickey mouse one there this is an apollo 11 rocket jump knitted by his grandma i would say that looks like a grandma knit could be his mother, but we haven't seen her do any knitting yet. Now, this is a point of view shot, I think, Craig, because it's uh, all the other shots have been very, very smooth so far, but this one is rocking up and down. Is this the, the this room? This is 237. This is room 237. There's a key in the door. The door is ajar, and there's a light on in the room. So we're going to find out now, I think, who are the residents of 237. Oh, no, we're not. We've cross-faded downstairs. I think, underground, possibly. 
where the mum is, she's got a clipboard, she's looking at boilers and uh, electricity. Yeah, so meter readings, aren't they? Yes, big switches there, big fuse boxes, fuse boxes. She's she's more than pulling her weight in chores around the hotel. She's, she's in a sort of laundrette area. I think she's heard something, so now she's run away. We're upstairs where the dad is asleep on the table in front of his typewriter. I think he's having a bad dream. Sounds like he might be screaming, possibly. By the look on his face, we can't hear, obviously. The mother-wife runs up from the basement into the foyer, wakes up her husband, who is having a nightmare. He's woken up, fallen off his chair. He's screaming. She's trying to comfort him. He's looking terrified. Yeah, they're both on the floor. She's trying to smooth his hair down to calm him down. He's on his hands and knees, looking around. We're under the table, pretty much. She's trying to reassure him. He doesn't seem to be being comforted very much. Is that crying? Yes, he's crying. I think he's crying. No sign of the sun. I'm not sure this actor's very good at crying acting. He's good at looking scary, though. She grabs him under the arms, tries to get him back into the chair. And, and the... he's being witnessed by the sun. He's walking slowly back into that reception area. Any of them are really enjoying their time in the hotel. Presumably no. they're paying for this stay. They're not receiving any service from the hotel. No, she's obviously keeping an eye on all the uh, electrics downstairs. She comes running towards the boy, probably to say, it's all right, nothing to worry about. Dad just had a bit of a bad wrist. She's looking at her son's neck. He's got a red mark on his neck, I think. And has his jumper been torn a bit, or is that the design of the shoulder? I think it's been torn. He looks like he's in a bit of a daze. She gives him a hug. The dad's slumped in the chair in front of the typewriter, staring vacantly into the middle distance or actually staring at his wife and child she lifts him oh like she i think she thinks that he's the person responsible for the torn jumper and the mark on the boy's neck yes because he was quite aggressive to her earlier now she's taking the boy away from him yes good spot james good spot I think the father is thinking, I don't think I did do that, did I? But I can't quite remember. Oh, this is all awkward now. 
There's lots of different decoration in this hotel. So I think possibly each floor has its own theme of decoration. So we're in a sort of gold, quite extravagant, luxurious corridor here. And walking down it is the dad. Oh, the gold room. There we have a big sign on a grey board. This is the gold room. Man steps in, he switches on the lights. Yes, this is very luxurious. Uh, this is a bar area. So that's a stage at one end for the floor show, or dance, maybe a dance floor. You think there's a little uh, mini grand piano on there. He goes up to the bar. You can see his face in the mirror. Obviously, there's no one else in the bar and there's no barman because the hotel is shut. I don't think there's any stock either, is there? No, it looks like all the shelves are empty. Must be a bit disappointing for him, I think. It looks like he could do with a drink. You'd imagine there would be some drink somewhere there, wouldn't you? Because there was all that food downstairs. So there must be a drinks cupboard somewhere. But maybe that's been locked away. He's uh, rubbing his face and eyes. We've got a point of view shot as if someone's looking at him now. Or maybe he's looking at He's talking to himself in the mirror, possibly, isn't he? He's laughing at himself. Oh, hello. Suddenly... The bar is fully stocked and there's a uh, very smartly dressed barman there in a red tailcoat and bow tie. Where's the turn up? Things are looking up now. He's much better for him. He's, he's perked up a lot actually, hasn't he? Yes, he's got someone else, a bit of male company and uh, he can get a uh, drink. Yeah, barman... Smiles back at him. Get it charged to your room. What's he up in there? Is that a bourbon? Is that a Jack Daniels, I think? Distinctive. Sort of square profile bottle with the black label. Having it on ice. He looks in his wallet. Don't think he's got any money. So, yes, as you suggest, James, looks like it might be charged to his room. I think he thinks he's got a winning smile as well. Well, that uh, seemed to pay off in the interview earlier on, didn't it? Here we go. The drink is held up. I think it's going to go down the hatch. Yes, I think he might be up for another one after that one. Yeah, he's savouring it, though. Mm. Surprising, that. He's swilling it around the glass. Quite a conversation with the barman now. Possibly asking him where he was for the rest of the time that they've been in their hotel. Yes. He's gone a bit aggressive again, hasn't he, the dad? He does seem to... Um... Is he mercurial? <laughs> That's a polite word for it, possibly, yes. He, uh, as you say, always starts off being quite charming, doesn't he? And then he does get a little bit sinister. 
just shows, doesn't it, the interview process isn't necessarily the best way of uh, identifying the best candidate. No, some people are very good at interviews, aren't they? But then you employ them and they turn out to be psychos. Although, to his credit, he's not really... I mean, he might have caused some damage with that uh, rubber ball. But apart from that, uh, the only property he seems to have damaged is his own son. His son's not property, I suppose. His jumper is. Yes, no, that's true. I mean, he's relying on his wife to... uh do all the hard work, I think, of uh, checking the meter readings, checking the boilers are going. Now she's running down the gold corridor. What's she carrying there? Stick. I think it's a baseball bat, Craig. Ah, yes. And he's still at the bar, but the barman and stock have gone again. She's running. She's in floods of tears, very upset. Asking for his help, I guess. I don't think he's in the mood to um, help Thank her you. much. She's trying to explain something. Clearly something major has happened. I like her outfit here. She's got dungarees on, a sort of brown denim kind of dungarees. She's got a green and white check shirt and a white roll neck jumper. Uh, I think we're watching television now. And there's a montage of scenes. Ah, it's a news programme, I think. And there's some feet at the end of a bed. And two table lamps. Ah, it's the the guy who was showing the... uh, family around the kitchen earlier and having that very deep conversation with a little boy he's lying in bed in his pyjamas stylish purple pyjamas exotic photographs on the wall yes a painting of a lady with no clothes on above his bed and painting another painting with a lady without clothes on above his Telly. He's very focused on whatever is on the news programme, I think. He opens his mouth a little bit. Is he going to die? Is he going to have a heart attack? He's having a vision or something, I think. I think you're right, Craig. I think this is a vision. Or maybe he's remembered that he forgot to turn the gas off at the hotel. Now, he wouldn't worry about it because he knows that the, uh, the family there to look after that. I think he's got quite high cholesterol because you see around his eyes, he's got that little white ring around his pupils. I think that is a sign of high cholesterol. Maybe that's what he's worried about. Anyway, back in the hotel room, 237, the boy is, he's in a red jumper now. He's having a, a little bit of a fit, I think. He's shaking, frothing at the mouth. Do you think this is the vision, the man's vision? I think the man might be sensing that this is what the boy's experiencing. Mm. We're in another room. Is this room? I think it's is deeper into that. Into room two. It's more of a suite than a room, isn't it? Because it's a very large double bed, chairs. There's another door. 
which I'm guessing is going to lead to the ensuite. Where, oh, there's a hand now pushing open the door of the ensuite. That's a vast bathroom there. Double double basins, a bidet and a toilet, and then a bath in a big alcove. It's the the man, the uh, sort of caretakery man, right? At who just pushed the curtain aside? Uh, oh, someone in the bath. That's it. Someone's pulled the curtain open. Uh, there's a lady in the bath. The Dad stares at her and gives a little smile. She's in the bath. She's got no clothes on, obviously. She's in the bath. Now she gets out of the bath. She didn't seem surprised that he was there. She elegantly steps out of the bath. Careful she doesn't slip. Seem very embarrassed to have been uh, have a man walk into the bathroom while she's no, in the bath. You would have expected her to reach for a, a towel or a dressing gown or something, but she's walking towards him. She's turning towards the toilet. Perhaps she's going to go to the toilet. I think he's got a lascivious look on his face. Yes, I think he has. I don't think she's had a bath because she looks quite dry I think maybe her hair's a bit wet but he's fully clothed steps up towards her she's got no clothes on she touches his jacket which is a red kind of velvety jacket possibly yes Yes, it's slightly corduroy, I don't know. Her arms, her hands are up round his jawline now. Now they're round the back of his neck. He reaches out his hands around her back. They're coming into a kiss, so they're embracing and kissing. And there's a close-up of that. Probably quite scratchy, because he... Uh... He still hasn't had a shave. He stops kissing now and looks in the mirror. Oh, and that woman has turned into a sort of rotting corpse. He steps back in horror and a rotting corpse walks towards him. Meanwhile, the boy is still having a fit. The rotting corpse is also in the bath at the same time as walking towards him, unless it's two corpses, one in the bath, one in the... walking towards him, is it? So the one sort of rotting corpse comes out of the bath. He steps back out of that room. That's room 237, isn't it? He locks that behind him and he retreats from it, walking backwards. And now he's walking sideways away from it and now he's left it entirely behind. And we're back with our kindly kitchen guide gentleman in his pyjamas. He is making a call on a red telephone. 
Is that the bat phone? Is that the bat phone? That was a red phone, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a very stylish apartment all round. Very cool apartment. It's got Venetian... Oh, we've had this before. I think those are Venetian vines, aren't they, this time, Craig? Uh, Yes, they're Venetian rather than Roman. Yes. And they are um, casting horizontal shadows all across the room. Um, The man's clearly not got through to who he wanted to get through. He's got a resigned expression on his face. Now we're back in the hotel and it's the wife calling out. She's added a big jumper over the top of her uh, ensemble. She's locked their sub-apartment. Uh, the husband has sort of knocked on that door. He's do you think he's now about to explain to her about the rotting corpses? If he did, he might have had to explain what he was doing with the uh, non-rotting corpse immediately before that. Yes, whichever way you approach that conversation, it's going to be awkward, isn't it? But uh, he looks quite tender with his wife now. He, she's still sobbing, though. So I don't know whether she's had a weird experience. We haven't seen her have any weird experiences yet her husband is providing the weird experience for her without any supernatural elements yes i think this holiday has brought out a side in him that possibly she hadn't seen before so we're back on the bed this is the bed of earnest conversations isn't it we saw one earlier with the son now it's between husband and wife he's looking a little bit sheepish so perhaps he is trying to explain that he's just been snogging in a bathroom. His uh, brow is very wrinkled there. She's shaking her head in some kind of disbelief. How could you snog rotting corpses in a bathroom behind my back? I didn't know they were rotting corpses. It wasn't rotting when I started. She was a very attractive lady. Now we're back with the boy. He's in bed, but his eyes are wide open. And again, not blinking. He's something written on a door. There's a little flash of a word. I didn't quite catch that. Some word written in blood. Now we're back with the mum and dad. Was it red? Did it say red rum? Yeah, I don't know. It did flick up very quickly. He's screaming now. Oh, and there's the blood coming out of the lift again that we saw earlier in the film. Now the man, the husband, is getting very cross with his wife. So that uh, moment of tenderness didn't last very long. She's sobbing. He's shouting in her face. She tries to reach out to him for some comfort, some explanation. He seems to be blaming whatever is happening on her because he points at her and he strides out of their apartment, opens the door, it slams. She is left on the bed in tears. Patently unfair. I can't see how any of this is her fault. Oh, he's, now he's... Smashing stuff in the kitchen. Now he is actually being a very bad caretaker at this point. Yes, some damage being caused. 
don't think they've been watering the plants because they look like they look a little bit peaky those plants yes you're right there Craig definitely peaky he's uh, coming back into which I think is the uh, entrance lobby foyer of the hotel is it and oh there's been a party there's balloons and streamers littering the floor you would have thought they would have heard the party uh, now we're back with our friend kitchen guy who's on the face managed to get through to someone here he's talking to them He's talking to the sheriff. It's a different officer, but um, see that sheriff's room with the uh, all the communication systems. He must be talking about the hotel. I think he's worried for the kid. I think he's had some psychic connection with the boy. Not sure if that's what he's explaining, but uh, he's asking if anyone's heard anything about the hotel. Now we're back outside the gold room again. It's a little bit uh, hazy, that gold corridor, so I don't know if someone... There's uh, a lot of smoking going on. Oh, now there's a lavish um, party going on in the gold room now, so all those empty tables and chairs are full of guests that are dressed up in sort of 1920s outfits, so... Right. He's very underdressed for 1920s night in the gold room. He is. Flap, flappers, isn't it? I think they're called flappers. Yep, you're right, Craig. He's doing 1970s night. They're all doing 1920s night. But his friendly barman is back. His barman probably knows what he likes now. I suspect he's going to offer him the JD straight away. I wonder whether this is one of those uh, murder mystery nights because they're all dressed like uh, possibly in an Agatha Christie type. That could work, yes. It's James. It's the twin sisters in the corridor with the axe. Solved it. He's just offered the barman some money. He's got money now. The barman has turned him down, said... Uh, your money's no good here, or maybe it's a free bar tonight because it's a special party. I'll charge it to your room. Or you're doing such an excellent job as a caretaker for the hotel that you don't need to pay. Which would be patently untrue. Yes, because we've seen things that the barman hasn't seen, haven't we? We've seen the destruction of the uh, kitchen. He's uh, off to socialise now. Doing some little dance steps. Ooh. Oh, uh, yeah. Eggnog, I think that's... Uh, is that eggnog that uh, he's just knocked off the tray of uh, one of the waiting staff? It's a little bit harsh, Craig. I think the waiter was swerving around that woman in the flapper's dress and did tip it over him. I don't think he knocked into the waiter, to be fair. 
How are you going to take this thing? I think in an insurance situation, that would probably uh, knock for knock, wouldn't it? 50-50. He's taking it remarkably well. Yes, because you would have expected him, from what we've seen before, for that to have riled him somewhat. But uh, he doesn't seem bothered by having Advocar spilled all over his velvet jacket at all. Highly strung, man. Oh, now we're in a very uh, dramatic scarlet bathroom just off the gold room are the waiters trying to clean the man's jacket he's wetted a towel and is dabbing away at the front of the jacket yes he possibly doesn't know like his wife knows that actually there are quite extensive laundry facilities in the basement so he could get uh, get that clean quite well down there. Or maybe he hasn't taken it quite as well as we'd initially thought. No, he's looking slightly more cross with the uh, waiter. The longer that the waiter takes to uh, clean his jacket, his, his left hand almost forming a fist, isn't it? Yes, his fingers are wiggling as if he's about to uh, do something. He's got mad staring eyes now. They've been quite mad and staring all the way through, but I would say even more so now. I don't quite know what the conversation is. I suspect it's something about cost of this jacket how difficult it is to get and the car out of anything I think the waiter would have been very encouraging that the stain is coming out because you want to keep a positive spin on everything the caretaker guy has taken the cloth off the waiter Waiter is um, frozen, not quite sure how to respond to this conversation. Has the film frozen? Nope, nope, they're uh, still talking to each other, I think. I don't think he's got any socks on, has he? The uh, Has he got any shoes on, sorry, has he got... Maybe they were plimsolls, perhaps he's wearing plimsolls. I wonder if they were desert boots. Buff-coloured desert boots. Yes, they may have been. Close-up shot, have we? No, I don't think the uh, filmmaker's that interested in his uh, footwear. He's more interested in whatever this conversation is. Now, the waiter seems to have the... uh, upper hand in this conversation now the status has shifted somewhat between the two of them I think because now the uh, dad husband is looking a little bit cowed and the waiter is looking much more confident and slightly sinister himself now yeah he's got a kind of I could rip you limb from limb kind of look to him Don't think I'm as servile as this costume suggests. I 
could destroy you, you unshaven oik. Yes, I could have you kicked out of this hotel with just a word to the manager. It used to be Doctor Who, that actor. Maybe not. I know who you mean, but no, I think, uh, I think not. So another lengthy conversation in the film of which we can't really work out what is going on. One thing we do know is there's not much call for the bathroom or the washroom, we probably call it, in this hotel. No, conveniently for these two, uh, no other men have come in to uh, relieve themselves yet. Could be a conversation about his bar bill. Although he did offer to pay, so it's not really his fault. Yeah, they don't seem so worried about the stain on the jacket anymore, do they? No, the cleaning has stopped. Although uh, the uh, dad is now back to his scary, aggressive face again. I was going to suggest that might be slightly a conspiratorial look. Oh, maybe. He was, um, didn't seem to be getting anywhere in the confrontation approach, so maybe he tried to get the, the waiter guy on the side a bit of conspiratorial. I could I could imagine you in that role, the stern waiter, Craig. Did you maitre d? I think you could be a stern maitre d if you had to. Yes, I think uh, confronted by someone who hasn't really made much effort to dress for dinner. I think I'd be happy to uh, take them aside to the uh, gentlemen's toilets and possibly advise them that next time, if they were to come to a function, they might like to read the invitation more carefully and dress appropriately. That's of course, true. on this occasion, we'll allow you to uh, stay, but uh, next time, sir, at least wear a tie. That's true, Craig. The uh, Advocar incident could have been... Uh subtle way of getting him to change his clothes so he fits in more oh well done i think more criminal damage is about to be done yes so we're back in the uh, office where the interview was and he's disconnecting wires from that radio set that we saw the wife communicating with the police with he's lifted the lid off he's taken a chip out or a valve out now we're on an aeroplane with the uh, kitchen guide guy who we saw telephoning the police himself earlier I reckon that guy probably lives in Florida in the winter months he's flying back because he's now driving through the ice and snow he's going back to the hotel that is commitment Craig isn't it He's uh, definitely worried, but there's a big storm going on, so I think he's going to struggle to get there because it looks like lots of broken-down cars on the side of the road. I think a 
a lorry is jackknifed there. There's been a major accident there. There's police, there's recovery guys. And we're back in the hotel. The wife is walking around with a baseball bat. It's no longer really clear what she's intending to do with that baseball bat. I don't think it's to play the sport. I think it is to defend herself and her son. But it's difficult to tell what she thinks she's going to be defending him from. Yes, and you'd think if she was going to defend her son, she would be with her son to protect him. Yes, we've not seen him for a long time. Last time we saw him, he was in bed, wasn't he? He was in bed screaming, yes. I think I would probably stay with him if I was her. She goes up to the typewriter, see what her husband has been uh, writing in his diary. She seems fascinated by that. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. She's typed that over and over and over again, sometimes with typographical errors, but essentially the same single sentence across the page, time and time again. Oh, there's a big uh, pile of uh, typed papers in uh, a tray, and that phrase is all that has been typed on, certainly on the top page, and the next page, and the next page, and the next page. All with different layouts, paragraphs, indented speech, but always the same phrase. And that page, and that page, and that page, and that page, that page, and that page, and that page, that page. That page. Yeah, I think you're probably going to find, if you keep looking through that, that, that is going to be on every single page. Would it be reassuring if it wasn't on absolutely every page? Probably not. Yeah, she now knows her husband has gone either completely crackers or is embarks on some major contemporary art project. There's a figure approaching her, which we can only guess is her husband he's recognised that haircut he has seen that she's seen his work he's looking very sinister now with a evil smile she's still crying she's been crying for quite a long time in this film now yes in contrast to the male actor who's not very good at crying acting she has clearly got that role for her skill in that department. He's admiring his typographical work there. Oh, yes. All my own work. Maybe he's asking her what she thought of it. And she's finding it difficult to frame a response. 
she might be saying, well, it's unique and long. Now we're back with the uh, boy who, as usual, is staring into the middle distance without blinking. His mouth open a bit. He's seeing blood and there was that phrase. I think it was red rum. Red rum, yeah. So uh, horse racing could still feature in this film yet. She is uh, crying now. He's walking towards her with a big smile. In fact, I think he's doing that. This is all your fault thing again, isn't he? She's still clinging to the baseball bat. She's backing away from him as he advances towards her. He's taking the mickey out of her, isn't he? Going, I'm so upset. I haven't got a ball to play with my baseball bat. My husband's evil. I think he's doing that kind of thing. That would be very insensitive, but I think you're right, Craig. Is she uh, just going to use the baseball bat because there's not a huge amount of point in just clutching it and backing away. I think at this point, as an audience member, Greg, I would back her if she did clout him around the head with it. Yes, I think it's certainly in this context it feels justified. I'm not quite sure how that would stand up in a court of law. Problem is you have to make sure you get a clean shot, don't you? Because... if you were to grab the bat as it went towards his head, then you're in trouble. Then, you, then you're having a little tug of war with the bat. He's probably a bit stronger. He might then get the bat himself. Then you're in trouble. He's getting crosser. She's now back up to the staircase. He's still shouting at her, gesticulating. She's now having to walk backwards up the Staircase. Now she's starting to brandish the baseball bat, but very feebly. I think she's so upset. It's drained all the strength from her. She's probably just saying, please stop, please stop. She needs to hold it nearer to the end of the handle to get leverage, really. Yes, she, uh, yes, she really does, doesn't she? Then she gets some more power behind it. She holds it halfway like that. That's going to half the amount of... Power. He seems to be inviting her to hit him now, which could backfire because they're both on a staircase. She's sweeping with the bat, like you might try and swat away a, a wasp or a bee. Now, we saw that film on the radio a little bit earlier on, Craig, didn't we, with the... Uh... A few people falling backwards down the stairs, but it was after they'd been stabbed with a cleaver, not hit with a baseball bat. If this is a little homage to that film, he's he's now beckoning, kind of come on, come on. Just puts his tongue out like a snake or a lizard. She's at the top of the stairs now, still swatting away. He's continuing to approach her. He's at the top of this. She hits him on the hand. Now she hits him on the head. Now he tumbles back down the flight of stairs. And he's 
body stops at the bottom, lifeless at the bottom of the stairs. He's now being dragged through the kitchen. There's uh, blood on his uh, temple there. Is he dead? No, I don't think he's dead. His eyes are flickering. He asked for that, really. I think he literally did ask for it. Yes, he was saying, actually, yes, hit me, come on, hit me, and uh, and she did. So she's dragging him towards... Ah, you see, this is good, isn't it? Because we saw this freezer store earlier. Yeah, I wonder what his plan was after he was hit. Like, if he, you know, hit me, and then when... Well, what he was planning to do after he'd been hit. Perhaps he was hoping to get some sympathy and breakfast in bed again. It's a bit of drool coming out of the side of his mouth. Oh, she's not putting him in the freezer. She's just putting him in the uh, uh, larder, the dry goods store. I think that's because she still loves him, Craig. She just realised that he's, he's not quite himself the moment because she'd really really had it in for him she would have put him in the freezer yes yeah, so she can uh, she can lock him in there and uh, she's still crying quite a lot actually quite a humane place to uh, lock him in really because there's plenty of food in there there's tomato ketchup anyway now she's picked a knife up in the kitchen to replace the baseball bat. He's recovered remarkably well because he's now shouting at her through the door. I think that's supposed to be an emergency handle. He's got his hand on there, which I think in theory helps someone who's been accidentally shut in get out, but maybe she's done something to uh, stop that being effective. We're inside with him, looking up at him from the floor as he leans over with his head almost on the door. And you really get the sense that he's pretending to be more injured than he is to gain her sympathy. So she'll open the door and then he can burst out. The big question, Craig, is, is she going to fall for it? I think she is, possibly. She's walking back towards the door. Presumably all this time, the uh, man is driving through the snow to get to them. And the boy is staring into the middle distance without blinking. Not quite sure where the waiter is, or the barman, or the twin girls. Or for that matter, all the guests at the 1920s party. No, they seem oblivious to this. We often don't know what's going on behind the scenes in a hotel, do you, Craig? No, I mean, that's often the fascination of a hotel, isn't it? That uh, there's so many different people in it, but uh, you don't always get to uh, get to meet them. She's run off now, so I don't think he's going to be able to get out. She uh, is still carrying the knife. She runs to the main front doors, which are almost blocked by snow. 
visibility is very poor out there now. The fog's come down. She's running outside. It's still snowing. She's remembered the caterpillar tracked vehicle. But when she gets to it, she notices the hood is up and therefore the engine, ah, yes, some, the engine's been sabotaged. Yes, someone's yeah. taken in the, uh, is that the uh, spark plug cover? Yeah, I don't think she's enough of a mechanic to replace that. It's quite a lot of soldering to get that back in action. Yeah, I wouldn't fancy my chances. Not in the cold like that as well. Very difficult to get the solder to melt. Now he's sleeping off his bruised temple in the dry goods store with his head resting gently on a sack of flour or rice. I think it's uh, salt, actually, I think. Big, ah. huge bags of salt. So he's okay for... Oh, he's been eating crisps and Oreos. So I don't think it's going to be a very healthy diet in there, but at least there is some food. He's clutching his ankle, which, of course, he may have injured on his tumble down the stairs. It's uh, boxes of uh, rice in there and olive oil. He's made himself a little bed out of the sacks of salt. That looks like it might actually be fairly comfortable. No means of cooking in here, though, isn't it? All this food, but uh, no way of cooking. There's also no smoking in there as well, which uh, I think he uh, he smokes as well, so that's going to be quite difficult I don't know if he's got his cigarettes on him. I think he might have left them on the table by his typewriter. He certainly looks like he's ready to come out now. Lots of cans of food. Sorry, James. I was just saying he's been in the dry goods store long enough. Yes, I don't know whether he's been able to uh, go to the toilets in there or not whether that's now why he needs to leave. He uh, smiles to himself. He started talking. Is she on the other side of the door? I don't think she needs to be in order for him to talk to the door or her. He's in a bit of a fix, though. I'm not sure how he's going to get out of here. No, he's really going to have to persuade her somehow, I think, to let him out. Maybe the door is one of the stronger elements. Maybe the walls could be uh, just a stud partition. Might be easier to go through the wall than the door, possibly. Sometimes that's the case. Although they do look quite solid. Yes, certainly on that side. I wonder if there's a tin opener anywhere. There's a lot of tins of food. It's not going to survive just on crisps. There's not a lot of liquid either. You just probably have to drink the 
tomato sauce from the plum tomato tins. Yes, and the uh, olive oil from the jars of olives. Anyway, we're uh, outside and there is now a vehicle, one of those uh, caterpillar snow vehicles approaching. So has the wife, has she managed to solder that back together again? Oh, no, it's the uh, friendly kitchen guy. So uh, he's tried pretty much every form of transport now. We've had plane, we've had car, and now we've got snowmobile. Can't fault his commitment to the cause by any means. Dark, but I think it's the winter, so it might not be that late, but it is certainly dark. We're in the vehicle now with the kitchen guy and we're looking through the front windscreen. The wiper going, now we're back with the little boy. He's up and he's about and he's walking slowly towards his mum who is in bed. Amazingly, she's meant to get to sleep. Must be emotional exhaustion. He's having a well-earned rest. The boy now picks up the uh, knife that she took by, from the kitchen and she's got it on the bedside table. The boy picks it up, runs his thumb along the edge of it. And uh, he's not going to stab her, which is good news. Has he got a very short neck, Craig? I think he might be hunching up his shoulders because uh-huh. he's quite scared. And he's also a little bit scary himself, isn't he? Yes. He's got lipstick in his right hand now and a massive great knife in his left hand. He's walking very slowly towards the cream-coloured door. I think I might know what he's going to write on this door. He's going to write a tip for the three o'clock at Aintree. Yes. He's going to get the deep backwards. Red rum. And the R's backwards. Yeah. Well, the second R's backwards. The first R is absolutely fine. The uh, U and the M, of course, are... Uh, what do you call it when it's the same both ways around? Uh, palindromic, is it? No. Oh, there we go. Uh, yeah, mirror. There's sort of work in the mirror. Oh, hello. Now, he's somehow he's got out of the dry goods store and he's got himself a massive, great axe. And he's coming through the door with the axe. Yes, and uh, yes, when we caught sight of that uh, word in the mirror, obviously it, it wasn't uh, the name of a horse. It's actually spelt murder. And that's possibly what we are going to see now. They're in the bathroom, the mother and the son, trying to get out of uh, a tiny window above the toilet. Luckily, there's a huge snow drift outside that window, so they could potentially slide down that. 
he's uh, hacked through enough to be able to unlock the door from the inside. The mum's trying to squeeze the boy through the window. He is out and slides down that bank. Now, on a normal occasion, that would be quite good fun, I think. But uh, the dad's taken all the fun out of this now by pursuing them with an axe. He's limping up the steps. The wife is finding it more difficult to get through that little window. She's bigger than her son. Husband is limping through their bedroom now. She's having another go at trying to get the window up higher. It really is a very narrow, narrow, narrow slip that. He's taking his time. Husband. He's at the bathroom door. He's tried the door. He realises it's locked. He's giving a cheeky little knock on it with his knuckle. She's got her shoulders through. She's trying to get her chest through now. The sun is waiting at the bottom of the big snowdrift. And now he's running away, possibly encouraged by his mother. Husband's shouting at her through the window. She's picked up the knife. She's given up trying to get out through the window. She's now beside the door with the knife. He's the other side of the door with his big axe. He's trying to persuade her that everything's going to be okay, possibly. But then he starts hacking away at that door. So more damage. Yep. The owners of the hotel are very disappointed when they come back in the spring. Now we can see the blade of the axe coming through the door while the wife cowers to the side of the door with her knife. Her knife would normally be an intimidating weapon, but compared to this massive great axe, it doesn't seem adequate somehow. No, it's a bit like a fire firefighter's axe, is it, do you think? Yes. An ice axe, possibly. Oh, he's now poking his head through the gap. He's talking to her through the gap. A smile, but not a friendly smile. Oh, he reaches through to unlock the door and she uh, has a swipe at his hand with her knife and uh, he retracts his hand very quickly. Now we're back in the snowmobile with our friendly kitchen guy who is rushing to their assistance. Back in the uh, bathroom. Ah, maybe they hear the noise, do you think, Craig? Do they hear the noise of the snowmobile? I think so. He's stopped attempting to uh, smash down the rest of the door. The snowmobile is now outside the hotel. It's headlights lighting up the snowdrifts. That is the very definition of... The nick of time. The wife's heard it as well. She's still panting, terrified in the bathroom. The boys come back into the hotel, which I think was against the advice of his mother. I know he's going to hide in the. He's going to hide in a cupboard in the kitchen. That's uh, that's sensible. Yes, it's the. Little uh, sort of cupboard underneath a um, a work surface, a cupboard that you might put 
pots and pans in. Yeah, stainless steel uh, cupboard, just to uh, give our listeners a little more detail. The wife is still crying in the bathroom. She doesn't really know whether it's safe to go out or not, but she's going to take a chance. She's probably realised perhaps that now her husband is after her, their son. He's damaged the door so much it's difficult for her to open. Now the nice kitchen guy in his big overcoat and hat is trudging through the snow and he's going in the kitchen door. You must know something's wrong because the door wouldn't normally be open. And the husband is limping, carrying the massive great axe along the ground floor, the public area of the hotel. He's now trying to track down the rescuer. He's going up a half flight of steps. I haven't really got a full grasp of the geography, the layout of this hotel. No, I think there's a there's a definitely different steps than he uh, fell down earlier. I think yes, we're now back in the uh, main luxurious foyer area the friendly kitchen guy has entered the same area too I think he's uh, rather tentatively having a look around very still very quiet some of the lights are on Summer off, he's walking past the reception desk that earlier on in the film seemed such a joyful, friendly place. I'm not sure what the first evidence he'll see that something's wrong. No, he might spot the few marks on the wall where the ball was thrown. He's making his way towards oh. the manager's office. Oh, that's not good. Uh, he's just been hacked in the back by the dad with the axe. Contradictory, Craig. I think it might be just straight in the heart between the ribs. I think that went into the chest in the front. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Either way. He's dead, he's I suspect. I'm surprised by that because I thought he was going to save the day there. I thought he was going to be the hero as well. Yeah. I'm disappointed with that. Yes, that, uh, that's not looking good now. Uh, the boy couldn't wait any longer in that cupboard. He's heard what's happened, I think. He's run out of the cupboard. Now the dad is after him through the kitchen. The mum is running up uh, flights of stairs into the uh, blue-decorated corridors. She's running up another flight of stairs. She's still clutching that kitchen knife. I think they're downstairs, though, aren't they? She's going upstairs. Yeah, she's going in the wrong direction. She reaches the top of the flight of stairs. She looks down a corridor into a room and there's someone in a bear costume and a gentleman in a dinner jacket engaged in... Some activity on a bed. She uh, spots him and runs off. 
that was unexpected as well. The dad now has gone to those main front doors, which are open. He spots the snowmobile that the uh, now not so happy, smiley kitchen man arrived in. He opens up the panel of a fuse box to turn on all the lights outside, all the exterior lights. The boy, I think, is outside, isn't he, James? Yes. Hiding behind the tread of the snowmobile. He's making a run for it. His father's chasing him. I think I know where he's going. Yes, the boy's running to the maze. He'll be grateful for having a good collection of knitwear because it's going to be very cold out there. I'm hoping that his prior experience in the maze will help him here. He's running round and round. Of course, it's all a snowy path in there. He's pursued by the cameraman, I suppose, in the first instance, but I think we're led to presume that behind the cameraman is the dad. Here he is. So grasping the top of his leather jacket closed around the neck with his right hand. He's got the axe in his left hand. He's shouting towards his son. He's limping. He possibly knows the maze quite well as well, doesn't he? Well, in fact, he actually doesn't even need to know the maze quite well because he can just follow his son's footsteps in the snow. Ah, yes. I hadn't thought of that, Craig. That, that is difficult. Yes, that's not good. The uh, mum is now down in the kitchen area, nearly trips over the uh, pots and pans that her husband rather recklessly threw around earlier on in the film. She's trying to find her son. Oh, she doesn't want to shout out too loud, does she? Because that's going to give away her location. She's just spotted our friendly kitchen guy. Yes, if she was any in any doubt that her husband is capable of uh, violent murder, then, um, yeah, she's no longer thinking that. Hold on. She spotted another dinner guest. He's got blood on his head. He just raises a glass to her. So there's quite an unusual collection of uh, guests in that hotel. I think some of them are ghosts, I guess. Yes, guest and ghost, of course, do share quite a few letters. Well, spotted Craig, actually, yeah, that really hadn't occurred to me. Have considered taking a film studies qualification? Well, I think I could, if I did get my job as a maitre d', I could use that to... Uh, Maybe fund an evening class in film studies. Uh, now, the boy very cleverly has worked out what you worked out, Craig, which is Dad can just follow his footsteps, so he's now walking backwards through the snow very carefully to lay a confusing trail for his dad. He's going to have to hurry up because his dad can't be far behind him. He jumps to the side, he covers his footsteps up with fresh powdered snow, crawls into the hedge side of the maze. Meanwhile, we're still 
back in the hotel. The mum. Oh, she's by that lift, and we know what comes out of this lift. It's a bloody lift. There we go. All over. I thought it was carpet, but I don't think it is. I think that's a tiled floor. There's a wave of blood coming out there. Yes, that is going to be easier to clean than if it was carpet. Now the sun is silently sat in the snow while his dad limps past him, following the footsteps. And we're following the footsteps as if we, our eyes are the eyes of the dad. And they've just stopped. Oh, now he's mad. He realises he's been tricked by his son. You thought he'd be kind of proud as well as furious. Shouting out his name, I think. He's got any sense. He'll just stay quiet. I think he's just the other side of that hedge, isn't he? Yes, I think... Oh, it looks like the dad has possibly heard something, has he? Or he's worked out what his son has done. Son pokes his head out from behind. This is possibly not a very good idea. Stick or twist, isn't it? <laughs> Off he runs. Come on. Keep running. Keep running. You can do it. He turns left. Along another snowy path. There's the dad. We don't really know where they are in relation to each other now, though, do we? They could be close. We're disorientated. I think the dad's disorientated. Hopefully, the son knows his way around. Keep running. He's still running. He looks behind him. He keeps on. He turns left again. The mum is now outside. She's still got that knife. She's running. Is she shouting or is she crying? Her shouts might... He falls. He's fallen. The mum spots him coming out of the maze. She drops the knife. She runs towards him. She grabs him. She hugs him. Yet this isn't really the time for an emotional reunion, though. You really need to get out of there, I think. Because the dad is... uh, I think, heading out of the maze as well. This is good news, Craig. This is very good news. Of course, the nice kitchen guy is going to turn out to be the hero after all because he's brought a functioning snow cat thing to the hotel, which the mum can use to get her and her son away to safety. If she can drive. Which she can. That's good news. So she's managed to start that up and uh, she's driving away. The dad is still in the maze, shouting, spinning around, clutching his coat, putting funny faces. As the uh, mother and son head away into the mist and floating cloud. Dad is clutching his left side. 
Is he having a heart attack? He could easily do, because he's been very stressed, hasn't he? He has. His blood pressure must be very high, I think. Also, I don't know how the cold affects you, if you're uh, very cold and you've been running around. And I don't, He's not been looking after himself. He's been smoking. Uh, I, yes, he's... I think he's frozen to death there, isn't he? Yes, well, suddenly it's daytime. We can see him very clearly, and he's... He's very still with icicles off him. We're now in the hotel. Doesn't seem to be anyone else there. We're going into the gold room or past the gold room. There's a wall of black and white photographs in front of us. The camera keeps edging forward very smoothly and slowly. Some... uh guests from previous parties. In fact, that looks like the uh, 1920s party that we saw earlier. Who's that down in the front? front I think that's the dad, isn't it? 1921. We've been given a big close-up. And yes, looking very dapper, actually properly addressed in bow tie. No sign of the wife there. It's definitely him. A younger version of him. And the uh, camera pans down. It says the Overlook Hotel, July the 4th ball, 1921. Hmm. Hmm. So is he a ghost as well? A very, very tangible ghost. I always think of ghosts being ethereal. Yes, he's a very shouty, uh, angry ghost, wasn't he? He didn't go through walls and and ghosts don't die either, do they? Isn't the point? Ghosts I don't think they. Uh, no, I don't think they freeze to death, do they? And as you say, a ghost probably just go through a wall rather than have to axe it to uh, pieces. And you wouldn't be stuck in a maze if you were a ghost, would you? Because you just walk through the walls of the maze. It's one of the one of the perks of being a ghost. We might have to ponder on this uh, for a little while, Craig. Uh, maybe, maybe not whilst broadcasting. No, well, uh, yes, that uh, yes, sorry, this is that uh, that was the uh, end of the uh, film there. So, um, we have to assume that the mother and son. I don't know if you could live happily ever after, because would would be a scarring event in your life. I think. Yes, having been uh, attacked by your husband and father with a huge axe in a haunted hotel in which the corridors run with blood would probably have some lasting effect on you, I imagine, but it could have been a worse ending for them. Yes, as it was for the helpful kitchen guy that we liked. Yes, a shame for him. Yes, not a happy ending for him. And uh, he had a very nice apartment as well, didn't he, in a very nice house in Florida. Mm -hmm. I don't know who will get that um, after his demise. But uh, 
that's probably enough from us, I uh, suspect, uh, James. Yes, yes, thank you, Craig. It was, uh, it was good, good to watch another film with you there. I hope the listeners, uh, you enjoyed it yourselves at home. Uh, I'm not quite sure when we're back on the air with the next uh, film on the radio, but we hope it's not too long. Yes, and uh, thank you for tuning in, and uh, happy Halloween. Uh, don't have nightmares. Good night. Good night. Good night.